Okay, welcome to episode nine of the Jobcast, the employment support team's podcast aimed at helping you build the skills and confidence to find work. I'm Dan. I'm Cheska. And I'm Demetra. So in this episode, we're going to be discussing job interviews and things like preparing for interviews and common questions that you might be asked. September is also when International Happiness at Work Week takes place, so we'll be talking about what makes us happy at work and the things that you can do to look after your well-being in the workplace. So, thinking about job interviews and I think one of the things that I hear a lot is people will say why, why do I have to to do a job interview and it's something that um, we think about a lot with the work we're doing with clients and actually there, there's a lot of reasons, there's um, sort of pros and cons to it. So the main reason you have an interview is employers want to kind of make sure that you're the right person for the job. They want to find out more about you and kind of meet the person behind the application form. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think with the application form, you, you're you selling your skills, but actually sometimes it's also about making sure that people fit in, so personalities yeah. and things. And I always say that actually getting the interviews is the hardest part, because selling yourself on paper is one thing, but then it's about being in the room, so you're still selling yourself. But I think it then gives people the ability to kind of see how you might fit in with the team and, and things. And there's, you know, obviously there's lots of different types of interviews as well. So, you know, now I think most people have experienced an online interview, um, which personally I think are more terrifying than face-to-face interviews. Um, but obviously, you know, with the pandemic and things, that's what most people were doing. But, yeah. um, I mean, what do you guys think? Do you think online interviews are more scary than face-to-face? Um, technical issues is a big thing, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't necessarily say that makes it more scary. Um, if anything, people might feel more comfortable, you know, being in their own home, yeah. um, instead of having to go to this big, imposing building and you know, it's it can be a bit intimidating. So I think on one side that might be preferable for some people. Yeah, I, I miss body language oh, and that, that eye yeah. contact. Yeah, I think for me that's I, I know then if I can see those things, that's what kind of grounds me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm on the right track. I'm saying the right thing. Yeah. For me, when I'm actually interviewing people, mm. um, a virtual interview is quite good because we take notes and you can kind of do that and it, you're not kind of looking away and having the right, it's a lot easier for me, I guess. So I think from from an employer's perspective, it's probably a lot easier. You can get more people in, they can do it more efficiently. Yeah. I think that'll probably be the way forward. I think we'll see a lot more virtual yeah. interviews going forward. I think, I think you're right. I mean, you know, my dad used to work abroad and things, so a lot of his job interviews and, and things were sort of online um, before the days of Zoom as well. So I think she was using Skype. Um, so we really are kind of looking going back. Um, but yeah, and I also think, you know, the other thing to think about is the different types of interviews that employers might offer. So you've got your competency-based interviews where, you know, your opportunity to really show what your experience is and, and how you meet the competencies in the job description. But there's also, you know, behavioural interviews, there's practical interviews. Mm. Um, I'm a big fan of practical interviews, especially for people who maybe aren't as confident and, you know, being in a room, being interviewed by people, actually is quite, quite a scary thing, but actually get them to go and do the job and show their competency. Yeah. It's also, um, I mean, with a practical interview anyway, I feel like it's um, definitely less intimidating and you're also, as, as an employee, potential employee, you're getting a chance to try out the job and see, oh, actually, yeah, this is what I want to do, or this isn't for me, kind of gauge whether you fit into, you know, that workplace and whether that's something that you'd like to continue doing. Yeah, and that's a really important part, isn't it? And certainly when when we're talking to clients, it's about reminding them that it's not just them being interviewed, they're interviewing yeah, yeah, their potential employer as well, because it's 
you know, it might be going for a dream job and then you might be interviewed by a new manager and you just think, oh, I don't like yeah, you. Yeah, it's too open. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think the more people remember that, the more confident yeah. it can make them. What's your experience around sort of group interviews? I had one um, way back before I started my apprenticeship at the council. I had an interview for another apprenticeship with a provider who should remain nameless. Um, and that was a group interview. And that was very, um, very strange. I think for me as well, it was one of the first interviews I've ever had for anything. Um, so I didn't really know what the alternative was. And it was it was only a small group, but I, I remember I found it very strange, didn't know whether it was trying to find that balance. If you don't want to be too quiet, but then you don't want to be too overpowering either. And um, so that was that was interesting. Um, and some more pressure in some ways, because it's not just the the interviewers listening to what you're saying, it's yeah. it's the other candidates, so yeah. there's a little bit more pressure, I think. Yeah. With that. I was going to say, did it feel almost like a bit more competitive, and mm. like you're being put to the situation? In a way, yeah, because you, you you see what you're up against. You knew yeah. who who else yeah. was answering and who else was in the running, and you kind of, even though you don't consciously do it, you're always thinking, oh, that was a good answer. I wish I'd said that. Yeah. And and that kind of throws you off a little bit as well. I but know. you also, you can also bounce off of other people. You, you, yeah. know, you can show how you fit in with that sort of team dynamic and sort of using stuff that they say. So in some ways it's a little bit, you know, they might they might trigger a, a thought you remember something, yeah. oh, I'll, I'll build on that. So it can work in your favour as well. Yeah. My um my experience was I've done so I supported somebody in a group interview, um and that was lots and lots of people sat literally on each other's laps and it felt very very uncomfortable. There was too many people in the room. This was before COVID. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. It'd be the two meter rule now. Um, but I think it was really really intimidating for the individual that I was supporting and, and very overwhelming. Mm. But I could see the reason why the employer did it, because actually through standing there doing their spiel, they needed to do it once rather than doing it, you know, 20, 30 times. My experience was um, it was the first time I'd driven out of Southampton and I had to go down to Weymouth mm. and it was a group interview. It was, for, um, it was to do something with social care, um, but it was a two day selection process. So I had to stay in a B&B in Weymouth, was very young, and um, my car only just about got me there. Um, but it was also, we were using um, Weymouth Prison as where we were kind of meeting and everything. So the whole thing, the whole experience was really quite overwhelming for me as a 19 year old. But what I found in the room, like you say, I was kind of sat there thinking of lots of experiences then, and oh, I can't say that. but. The other thing that I wasn't confident about doing then that I am now is because of my hearing impairment, I lost out on loads. I was really aware that I wasn't speaking up as much as I wanted to because I didn't want to sound stupid in case someone else had said that. And during like the group activities that they had us doing and stuff, again, there were so many different groups in this big room and I was having to lip read and I knew that I was missing stuff. And I really found it overwhelming and I wasn't, I didn't feel at the time empowered enough to say, I'm really sorry, I can't hear what's going on, this is what I need from you. Um, so I found it really overwhelming and I think the reason that I'm telling that story is because if there is anybody who's listening to this who does have any form of a disability, um, to speak up. Because actually that held me back for years. Um, you know, I've only had hearing aids for the last sort of five years, and now I wish I'd done it so much earlier. And it wasn't for any other reason other than I had good coping strategies. But when I think about that group interview, my coping strategies let me down. Um, but it was a really, it was a really busy, overwhelming time, and two days was just really, really. Um, really hard. Yeah. Um, but I did get through. 
I just decided that it wasn't the right job for me after all of that. Um, but you know, it's it's an experience I think that most people have to go through. Um, but yeah, and I think going back to the competency interviews, which is what we currently do within the council, I think there's real value to kind of opening it up and almost having like a hybrid model because I think competency interviews are really good. But I think also there's you, you run the risk almost of losing out and finding out more about the individual and, and things. But yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Mm. But I, I see why interviews are important. I personally love interviews as long as they're not internal. <laughs> and that's both as an interviewer and an interviewee. Um, I really find internal interviews very challenging, very difficult. But external, I, I yeah, quite embrace them. Mm. So yeah, so then there's uh, things to consider. So preparing for the interview, it's quite bizarre, really. Um, yesterday, I had a client phone up who. I supported 16 years ago um, and worked very closely with them um, and she phoned me up and said I've got a job interview for a job that I really really want and I'm really anxious so can you talk to me about it um, and this young lady doesn't live in Southampton anymore but she knows that I still have the same work mode on <laughs> so every now and then I get very calls. So actually, you know, I sat there and I did about half an hour just sort of reminding her of all of the stuff that she she knew, <laughs> um, but she really wanted this job. So, you know, we talked around looking at the job description and the personal specification, um, where her skills were really strong, where they weren't quite so strong. Um, but then we also talked about the research into into the business and she reminded me and you know on certain terms that she had very good teachers because uh, it wasn't just me who worked with her um, and that of course she'd done that so I felt like I got a bit of a slap on the wrist with that but again that's really important and we hear so often don't we about how many people got the job because they've just taken that time out mm -hmm. to look at the company and yeah yeah I think it's important um kind of get to know their company values, what they're looking for, what they're working towards. I think it's really important to, like you said, just take a bit of extra time out and do that because that could be the thing that gets you the job in the end. Um, mm. Research in general, yeah. I think. Yeah. One of the most important parts of preparing for an interview is doing that research. Mm. And I think it's, you know, not just looking at researching People often find these websites where you can look at previous interview questions and they'll try and guess what they might be asked. But it's it's more to it than that. It's it's doing that research into the company, finding out you know about them, and being able to to quote stuff like their their values, their mission statements. I've had clients in the past who who have done that research. They've just gone on the company website and looked at about us, and they've. They've reeled some of that off, and and that's really impressed the interviewer because mm -hmm. they've they've taken that time to do that, and yeah. that that's going to show the interviewer they've not just applied for a hundred different jobs in the hope that someone is going to get back to them, but they've actually dedicated that time, they've committed yeah. to that company, and and again that's that's saying an awful lot without actually saying anything. Yeah. And also on the flip side, you might read the values and the you know the philosophy and just think this is not a company mm -hmm. I want yeah. to work for yeah so actually you could save yourself stress and angst by deciding that actually this is not the right company for you yeah it's the same thing that we were talking about a few minutes ago it's a two-way thing yeah it's not just um do they want you to work with them it's do you want to actually work with them in the first place yeah definitely going to um sort of put you on the spot a little bit but you did research into our yeah. team and things before yeah i did i i was given about three or four different placements and I kind of had to apply for them but I knew that this was my favourite one. I'd done the research. I thought, oh actually this stuff looks really interesting. I'm genuinely passionate about the stuff that I would have to do in this job role. So yeah, it really is 
Yeah, no, it, it makes so much difference as an interviewer. Even if some of the stats that you get given are slightly off or whatever else, it doesn't matter. It's the fact that they've taken the time to just go and find out. Yeah. Um, and even if they don't have all of the experience that we're looking for, for me, knowing that they'll put themselves out just a little bit actually screams values to me. It shows that they are a bit proactive and that you yeah. know, they're willing to go that extra mile. Yeah, they're not just sat and like Dan said, just applying for a bunch of different jobs. They've actually gone out their way to kind of, you know, find out a bit more about yeah. what the computer people. Yeah. I remember when I applied to be an employment officer, I went online and I found a presentation that you did <laughs> ten years ago and was quoting bits of that to you. I remember that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I can't believe you told me that in the end, but it was only about two years ago, I think. Um, yeah, and, yeah and, you know, it's about being creative and finding stuff, isn't it? So I think um, also making sure that you feel ready, like sort of dressed and you know what you're going to wear, plan what you're going to wear. I mean, for me, for those of you who know me, I plan everything around my shoes, so my shoes are the starting point and then everything else fits in. Um, but it's about making sure that you're presentable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that doesn't have to be a really expensive suit. And, you know, it, we're not talking about that, but what we are talking about is maybe not locking up in um, sort of tracksuit bottoms yeah. and a hoodie. Because um, we've seen clients go for interviews mm -hmm. um, like that. But, but I think also if you if you dress well and you're smart and everything else then you feel kind of more confident yeah, and, mm. and it just again you know I can't remember what the um, time is it's something like within 20 seconds mm. somebody's made up their mind about you yeah. as much as we don't want to be judgmental first impressions yeah, yeah. first yeah. impressions really do count um, and you know there's, there's lots of ways around looking really smart it's you know you don't have to go out and buy something new I mean, there's your charity shops have got loads of yeah. really good stuff yeah um you can pick up and you know there's the coast banks as well that we've got in the city we're really lucky um and there's also you know there's other funds that that you can tap into for a bit of help too so and like I say, it doesn't have to be all singing and dancing. It's just, it's again, it's making that effort, showing mm. that you you want this. And, yeah. and there's, you know, you answer the questions in an interview, but you can use so much other things that are non-verbal that show that dedication and, and that drive that you really want it. And, yeah. and you know, just dressing, I'd say not in a flash suit, but just putting in that effort. Mm. That, that's a really big thing as well. Yeah. I feel like just looking put together, like you said, it not only makes you feel more confident, but I feel like it also makes you feel part of the team. Right? Like you're dressing for yeah. the part that you want, which I think is a really important aspect of it. Yeah, definitely. And you know, just personal presence just is so important. And you know, just it's amazing how a white shirt, a black skirt, or black trousers, and brushed hair. <laughs> you know, you can look really mm. presentable like that. It, yeah. It's not about mm, having to, to go out. So, yeah, I do think clothes and personal presentation is so important. Mm. Silly things like, um, you know, making sure your nails are clean. Mm. Um, and especially if you're sort of working within... Um, so I'll never forget there was a client years and years ago um, took them for an interview and they wanted to work in a kitchen um, at a after school class. Mm. Yep, great clothes, great makeup, uh, hair or brush and everything else. And then we were sat waiting for them to go in to the interview and I just glanced down at the hands and yeah. There was dirt, she'd been doing gardening, and so there was dirt behind the yeah. I was just like, no! Um, but you know, it's just about thinking, you know, like yeah. that. Yeah. If you're going for a, I don't know, a mechanics job, you're gonna, like, oil just does not come out from behind the lens. Um, and if you're gonna be a builder or whatever else, then that's, you know, it's fine. But it's just about making an effort. Yeah. Um, so, yeah.
Mm. And um, and not having that last minute cigarette stood outside. Yeah. Just remembering that, you know, mints don't cover it, mm. perfume doesn't cover it, or aftershave, or deodorant, mm. whatever people might want to use. Um, yeah. And travelling. Travel plan's a big thing for me. I'm I'm someone who very much I have to know exactly where I've got to go, what door it is, what it looks like, how I'm gonna get there, how I'm gonna get home. So yeah, I think whether it's Google Maps or actually doing a trial run, it's worth doing because it's it's one less thing to worry about on the day. Mm-hmm. And it's something you can control as well, how you're gonna get there, knowing where you've got to go. That's something that's in your control, and, and that's a, a known factor, and that's going to yeah. help you feel more confident. Also, less stress. If you're stressing last minute about the class or mm. train or whatever, that's that is really not going to help you in that situation. You might already be quite anxious about the interview itself. And speaking of Google Maps, make sure your phone is charged on the same, just in case. If you are going quite a bit out of the way mm. to go somewhere, I would definitely say um, have your phone charged, but obviously turn your phone off. Yeah. in the actual interview yeah and you know that actually makes perfect sense because if you are stuck in traffic or something happens yeah because you know life does happen i've attended an interview an hour late with somebody else's blood on me because they've had an accident and i just happened to be the unlucky person <laughs> who was sat in the car as it happened um, and you know, I managed to phone them after the individual being taken away by the, the ambulance and things. And you know, just sort of said, oh, I'm really sorry. This is why I'm late. I didn't phone at the time. Um, and they still invited me for interview. But I also had to tell them I'm not quite looking as I was with my ladder's tights and you know, um, sort of additional red um, to, to my outfit. But it's just about being able to phone and just say, look, I know that my interview was at this time. Yeah, I'm sorry I'm late. Um, and yeah, just I'm being safe as well. Yeah. Um, and making sure that if you drive and you have to do like on-street parking, make sure that you've either got the change yeah. or make sure that you've got your card so that if it doesn't take change, because now you have just card, um meters and things so it's just just being aware it's minimizing stress yeah. isn't yeah. it and less things to be worrying about and that's kind of if you've got a virtual interview as well you don't necessarily have to travel but you still want to make sure that your wi-fi is working yeah your device is fully charged and you know how to use the platform yeah. so my interview that i had um for my apprenticeship i'd never used before um and so their company set up like kind of like workshops where you could you weren't learning anything you literally used the link to kind of drop in you got to talk to somebody you got to navigate understand how to share a screen that type of thing um so just and you know practice with somebody in the family or Mm -hmm. friend so yeah but i think i mean there's lots of stuff to think about preparation and some people like to make lists don't they? and making sure that you've got all of your certificates and yeah. your evidence so you're right to work you know personally maybe it's because i'm a little bit obsessed with making sure that everything's in order but i have everything in a folder i make sure it's by the door um you know it's all ready to go the day before the interview so that i'm not running around yeah that's another psychological piece, isn't it? That you yeah. think, yeah, look at all that stuff I've got on us. And it's yeah. there, it's ready. Yeah. And remember to take your notes as well. Mm. Um, because if you send down and made notes, might as well take them and use them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you because know, actually when you are anxious and you're excited, hopefully, about the, the job interview and things, you might forget stuff. So at least if you sat waiting to be pulled in, you've got your notes, you can yeah, um, sort of remind yourself of a what you've said in your application, but also you know, any of the research that you've done. Yeah. So when you're doing that preparation and after you've prepared, you then start thinking about actually how you're going to succeed in the interview and, and those things around you know, what makes a good interview. 
So something that I think one of the most important things we, we've sort of touched on it already, but I think the body language element of whether you're in a physical interview or a virtual interview, your body language says so much. I can't remember. I can't remember the stat. I should know with the amount of employability courses <laughs> I've, I've done, but it's it's a quite high percentage actually of how you communicate is all non-verbal. What it's done through sort of the gestures, your tone of voice, facial expressions, and all of that, it, it can say a lot, again, without speaking. Um, so just being aware, and, and people will get a little bit caught up on it sometimes. People will panic about you know, worrying about always making eye contact and having to sit bolt upright. But it's it's not necessarily that, it's, it's just that, that awareness, thinking, you know, what, what's my body language saying? What am I saying? Is it contradicting what's coming out of my mouth? And just that awareness, really. Yeah. I think also, in general, just thinking about what you're going to say, and if you're asked a question and you're panicking a bit, you can always ask them to kind of repeat the question. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you do need to answer what they're asking. So you can take a breath. Um, take a sip of water maybe and just say could you please repeat the question because it is allowed and I think in the moment people just get so caught on in their nerves they forget and you know they might end up rambling on about something that's not related or something like that. Yeah. You don't have to be perfect, I think that's yeah. the thing is that you know and quite often interviewers are just as nervous as the interviewees but for different reasons and you don't know who's interviewing you, as in, you don't know if it's the first time they've ever interviewed someone. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you don't know if actually for them this is a really big thing because they've got their own anxiety. So um, nobody expects them to be perfect. I think all they expect is for you to be genuine and open. Yeah. Um, but for me, I read body language lots and, and eye contact, I really like eye contact. It doesn't have to be like a staring contest, yeah. but yeah. just that kind of that regular check-in yeah for me that makes me feel like the other person's engaged yeah um and they're comfortable in my presence i think that's mm. that's quite important certainly is yeah. Yeah. and i always say to my clients that the interview is not it's not a memory test it's not about reciting everything you've read and all of your cv but it's a conversation mm. it's about you and, and how you're going to fit in and what you can do for the company, what the company can do for you, and actually approaching it that way could be a lot more confidence. So actually, it's not it's not an interrogation; it's a conversation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then star, I love star. Um, so when you're certainly asked like a situational um, sort of interview question, so there's questions with, can you give us an example when? Um, the star kind of really helps to just make sure that you tick all the boxes. Um, although I personally like to add on an extra R, and that's not because I can't spell, but you know, thinking about and explaining the situation. Um, so what was happening at the time, what the situation was. Then you talk about your particular task. So that would normally relate to what they're asking you to describe an example of. Um, the action that you took. Um, so, you know, what what you did, what impact that had on the person or the customer or whatever, um, and the results. So then talk about how it all ended. My extra R is then to talk about the reflection, um, because I think reflection is an amazing tool. I'm probably over-reflective on a lot of things, um, but if you can then show the, the interviewer how you've reflected and what you might have done differently or better um, because we don't always make the right decisions when you're put on the spot and something's happening but then if you're able to then show that you have that ability to reflect then that's a, a big plus isn't it because yeah yeah i think i mean being able to you know be a bit critical of yourself as well is a good skill i think because it does help us improve and i think that if you can sh show um whoever's interviewing you that you can actually do that um you know it's a transferable skill that you can put towards you know working there so yeah i think it's great self-awareness yeah self-awareness i think what i always say as well is when you're answering the question you've got to give 
examples. So what I try and do is actually use the job description and the person specification. A lot of people associate that with the application process, mm -hmm. writing your application form, but actually use that for the interview as well, because that's probably going to be a criteria that I'll be marking against. So I try and think of examples for each point, time when maybe I've, I've done it, or perhaps what I would do, or if I need to develop in that particular area. And I know I'm not going to be asked every single question, but at least, again, that confidence knowing that if you are asked about that, you've got that example in the back of your mind that you can go to. So definitely use those examples. Different examples as well. Yeah. Um, there was one interview that I did um, years ago, and it was literally the same situation, the same kind of thing. Um, and it was really clear that they were just using that one. So in the back of my head, I was like, mm, actually, how much experience has this have you got? At least if you're talking about different, you know, different experiences and different job roles or whatever, it just shows that you're that there's more to you. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's really, really important. And those examples don't have to come from paperwork either. No. They can come from your personal life, caring responsibilities, voluntary work, you know, all of those transferable skills. They're just, just as valid as being from paperwork. Yeah. So don't be afraid to use those as well and talk Absolutely. about those. And a really common one that we come across is, well, I have never worked and I've just had a family. I've been bringing up my family. I've, I've got no experience. I've got no skills. Uh, no, we have thousands of skills. So those transferable skills around, you know, juggling everything. So finance, time management, you know, multitasking, all of those things are just so key to any job role. Um, so, you know, it's about, I guess that's our role. That's probably why, why we love it so much is that, you know, we can then start reminding people about how amazing they are, even though they haven't worked in a paid employment way, they've actually worked really hard bringing up their, their families. Yeah. And what about when they ask, have you got any questions for us? Mm. I love it when I'm asked a question. Um, I think if people don't ask a question, I think you're not interested and you're not taking it seriously. Yeah. I mean, I think in an interview there should be something that you're you know maybe maybe something you're not sure about or something that you're interested in about the company so for example uh, team size or kind of upcoming projects anything like that because it's all to help you it's mm -hmm. knowledge that will help you so i think um you should just you know take a minute to breathe after the main part of the interview is done and then just think is there anything that i want to know about where i might potentially be going to work because um, like you said, it doesn't only show that um, you're interested, but it's also something that can benefit you. So, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely ask questions. I always suggest writing them down as well. Try and think about before the interview what you might ask mm -hmm. and, and write it down because I'm, I'm terrible for it. If I haven't got something written down, I'll forget. So especially after all of that kind of stressful interviewing, you're glad it's over and then they say you've got any questions and you go blank. So actually if they're written in front of you, that, that can, can be really useful. Yeah. And a really good question to be able to get the interviewer to open up and things is, you know, what's your favourite thing about your job? Or how, you know, tell me about a typical day in this job role, yeah. that type of thing. Because actually the one thing that people are really good at is talking about themselves. Yeah. So it's almost kind of encouraging them to open up a little bit more for you to make that judgment as well. Because you're still interviewing them and you're still yeah. making up your mind whether it's the right job or for you. Yeah. I get asked quite a lot what's my favourite thing about working. What do you say? It's really difficult to be honest, I have to take a lot of time to think. No. <laughs> um, I, I, my go -to, I have my own go-tos as well, of course. so it's it's always sort of just, for me it's, it's the diversity of the job and mm. nothing's ever the same. Yeah, yeah definitely. 
So yeah, happiness at work. When we were researching for this episode, we found out that the 20th to 26th of September is the International Week of Happiness at Work. So with that in mind, what makes us happy at work and what can people in companies do to be happy at work? That's a big thing we're looking at actually at the moment with the past project we're working on. So um, for those of you that didn't catch I think it was episode five, our, our past themed podcast, which you should definitely go back and listen to if you haven't. Yeah. Um, but past is our, our project around perinatal mental health. Um, so supporting families, mums, dads, grandparents, anyone in the family um, sort of who've, who've had a baby. And, and so we, we do a lot of stuff around employment in that project and actually one of the things we found from talking to employers, employees, different organisations, was that actually being happy at work can make a big difference. And so we, we've been talking a lot about the different things people can do and, and you know, people always associate, when you ask that question, the first thing people think of is, oh, you've got a pool table in the staff room and you've got a meditation area, but it doesn't have to be stuff like that, does it? It, it can just be, you know that that flexibility and you know being able to go and take a break from the screen for a bit or going out for a walk we're really lucky in the city centre we can go for a walk around the parks but it's it's that kind of stuff just around enjoying going to work. I think also just getting to know the people that you're working with Mm. it's you know you're forming connections there and it's not like it's not something that should just be overlooked because it can honestly help, especially in the beginning of a job. Um, if you're feeling quite nervous, you start to talk to people that you're working with. It, yeah, it's something nice to look forward to when you go to work every night. So I think that's another thing. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, just sort of thinking about the, the different things that what can do. Like people, most people who are working full time will spend an incredibly long time with their workplace. Mm. Um, and you know, whilst that can be wonderful, getting to know them is really great, but also sometimes having that time out and that yeah. time away. So, with that in mind, um, you know, it's no secret, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of going to the art gallery. So, if I just need some time out or just feel like I can't cope with talking to anyone else anymore, um, I take myself off to the art gallery, have a wander around get into my head, look at some beautiful artwork and I come back and I feel so much better. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's just whatever works for you. Yeah, I think it is important to take those breaks, um, you know, especially since working with computers and screens and stuff, it's nice to kind of stretch your legs, um, get away from the screen and give your eyes a rest and just get some fresh air. And yeah, I think that is really important. So I know a lot of people kind of, in a way, they're too proud to take breaks. I think they want to be really hard working, keep on slogging on. But I think it is really important um, for happiness, mental health, physical health as well, just to take that break when you need it. And productivity, you know, there's so much research out there that shows that actually, if you take breaking the breaks, and things, your productivity is so much better. Yeah. Um, and that includes not just being in the office, I think is really important. but you know, there are more people working from home now um, and working from home is just as stressful, if not more stressful in some ways. Um, and, you know, it's about ensuring that you take those working breaks. And, you know, even if you, if it's when you're working from home, even if you then sort of think, actually, I'm going to go out in the garden, um, I'm going to hang wash washing out, uh, take the dog for a walk, whatever it is, it's just being away from work and allowing you brain to have that down to you. Yeah. Mm. I would say as well, you know, it goes to back to the interviews and interviewing the employer as well as yourself being interviewed, but when you're looking for work, actually thinking, is this job going to make you happy? Mm. Are you going to get something from this job? And life's too short just to do a job for the sake of a job. It's, it's got to be something that 
you know, you might not enjoy it, but actually is it rewarding? Are you getting something from it? Or can you see the difference you're making? And that's so important from in the sense of being happy at work. Definitely. I actually um, didn't take a job, but it was my dream job. It was amazing. It was up in London working for a, a youth uh, charity, but it was all around engaging youth through art and music. And it was oh, it was just perfect, perfect, perfect job for me. Um, but I just got, you know, just rented a place with um, then boyfriends and it was a case of, oh, that's okay, I can travel to London every day, loads of people commute, it would be fun. Um, and I did the commute and it was, it was fine, it was quite a, a long sort of day, but it, it was doable. Um, and then the interview went really, really well and um, then they sort of said, you know, we want you to relocate. And I sort of said, well, I don't really need to, I can do it, it's fine. Um, and they said, no, because actually the commuting will take too much time for you and it will, you'll just, you'll be burnt out too quickly. Um, and I was really, really upset because I think I did have a good chance of getting the job. Um, and it was on the journey back that I realised after having stressed the interview and everything else, um, actually it would have been too much. Um, and again, I would have spent so much time just literally sat in the train. Mm. Um, so although it felt like the old job, it wasn't in the old Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think sometimes we do have to have um, kind of talk with ourselves and think and because there's a lot of situations where I know people are thinking, oh, this is a dream job, this is what I'm like destined to do. And then it turns out that for some reason it's not. And I think we just have to take that step back and reflect on it and we just kind of think, no, you know what I mean? Because it is, it is difficult, especially when, like you said, it was, it would have been an amazing job for you that really suited you and you really enjoy it. But, there are some things important sometimes that happen that just means that it's it is gonna you know affect us in a bad way, which is important. But it happens mm. And we're really lucky in we've got loads of well-being initiatives and stuff going on. Yeah. Um, and you know things like the walking sessions and the yoga sessions and things they're starting back up again now, mm. um, which is is really good. But I think it's about for me, as an employer, I think it's about having lots of different options open for people to be able to tap in and out of, because you're never going to give everybody exactly what they want. Yeah. But, you know, even just our flexible working approach allows people to be able to just sort of work it around themselves. Yeah, um, yeah I think it's great that there's, there's always an option. It's not I mean, it's, it's one of the great places, sorry, the great points about working for the council is, you know, it's got that element of flexibility. So mm -hmm. if you feel like you might, you know, need a break from social gatherings or whatever, and you feel like I need to take a, a day at home, get my work done, and then the next day you come in, you socialise. I think that's really great that, you know, that's an option. And I know that is an option for everyone, but I think that, either take time after work and maybe do something with your own or do something with friends. Um, yeah, I think that there should be a really good balance between kind of, you know, working and mm. yeah. The hybrid working I think is definitely ticking a lot of boxes for a lot of people, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Work-life balance is so important. That's something we'll we'll talk about next month actually for, for National Work-Life Week. Um, but right now, though, we're going to have a chat uh, about his experiences of interviews and what makes him happy at work. So first off, a big thank you to our own Chris Brown, who works for Southampton City Council as a Community Cohesion Manager. We really appreciate you being on this month's Jobcast. Would you just like to properly introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your job? Yeah, um, my name is Chris Brown. Um, I'm the Community Cohesion Manager um, and that involves um, a lot of different parts within there. So it's around hate crime, it's about violence reduction, 
Um, it's about working with the community to find out what they want. A lot of my role is working with young people really interested in our future generations, getting their voices and making sure that those voices influence what we do. So I just have a few questions for you. Um, first question is, what do you look for when you interview someone? Firstly, for the application form that they've read what we've put out and, and have responded to it. So it's not a generic CV. A CV yes. can be great because it can cover what you've done. But when someone's responded specifically and, and matched themselves against the criteria that have gone out in the job advert, that's really useful because you're directly showing about how your skills, knowledge, expertise, evidence fits the role that we are advertising. Yeah, it's just about putting in a bit more extra effort to kind of find yeah. out specifically what the company Definitely. wants. So if yeah. we're asking a question around organisational ability, if you've done something that showcases that, so you've run a project, it could be that you've done some um, fundraising organisation for a society at university that you've been involved with, something like that. It shows you how you've managed that process. So that's really valuable to say, OK, we know this applicant has done that. It might be in a different field, in a different role, but there is organisational um, yeah, evidence. Um, so that's really useful to, to have that proper tailored application rather than a generic CV. I think it's also the fact that a lot of skills can be, you know, used in different areas. They're quite transferable as well, aren't they? Definitely. And, and uh, I had somebody on an interview the other day worried that they were using examples from a few years ago. And for me, good examples are good examples. It doesn't have to necessarily be yesterday. It could be in a job you did two years ago. But if it's a good example about, again, just using organisational abilities. Uh, it's a good example, but understanding yeah. how you translate that through to the job which you're applying for is really important and understand how that can, can match that because that's really valuable. An employer wants to see you are, you've got the skills that they're looking for and to relate what you've done to what we're looking for in our job advert is, is key, I think. Yeah, definitely. So, we know that job interviews can tend to make a lot of people feel quite nervous, but how do you as an employer feel when you know, you're know you interviewing someone? Genuinely, I'm really interested to hear the responses. I've, I've done hundreds, if not thousands of interviews over the years uh, for, for um, selection processes, for uh, you know, job adverts, and having somebody who is engaging and telling a different story and different experiences is really interesting so I'm, I'm quite intrigued I don't view it as a um, a, a sort of a, a burden to do I want to get the right yeah. person for the job and I'm really interested in finding the right person for the job so yeah I always look forward to them because you always find out some really good examples of of things that people have done previously and then you can understand how those can plug into the role that we've advertised yeah definitely I can imagine um, it to be quite interesting because obviously you will be meeting um, lots and lots of different people from all walks of life yeah. and yeah in terms of kind of you know advice or maybe tips is there anything that you could maybe say to anyone in the interview coming up yeah I think um, if you're applying say you're uh, applying to an organization like the city council have a look at the website understand some of the the current issues for the council if you know anybody that works in the place ask them say what what's going on there but um, no one expects you to have an in-depth knowledge of absolutely everything but if you can talk about some of the things that you've done uh, as research I think they help um, understand and always be honest on an interview so prepare for that if you don't understand a question if, if you don't have an answer be honest about it um, yeah. uh, uh, and be prepared for that so if I'm preparing for an interview because I still have to go through interviews occasionally myself you know on the other end and I've done that quite a few times as well um, it, it's thinking about what they look for making sure that you're prepared against that job advert prepared that you've got examples as it were of what they're looking for Yes. So, you know, if you're asked a question uh, about some of the things they're looking for, make sure you've got some examples or some ideas about how you'd answer that. Yeah. Again, I think um, there's parts of job interviews that 
could be considered quite easy in maybe getting a leg up like a simple Google search of the place that you're yeah. working for, see kind of their morals and values and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. And, and nobody expects you to have knowledge and understanding of the whole yeah. organisation. You know, people yeah. that work in that organisation won't have that. So, you know, it, but I think if you've made the effort and you've tried to do something understanding and, and you've prepared that, um, you know, and, and it, being in an interview process is always about showing your attributes, how you've got the skills, how you've got the abilities to deliver that, that job. And that's what's key. So if you're comfortable with those yourself, communicating those becomes much easier. So that's part of the preparation is knowing yourself, understanding and being able to talk about your examples and, yeah. and then set them in what the job advert has, is asking for. We were also saying earlier in the um, in the podcast that although it can be quite nervous for anyone that is being interviewed, we have to kind of sometimes take a step back and remember that um, the company that is interviewing is also looking for a new employee and yeah. they obviously want to make time um, to ensure that the person that they're hiring is the right person that will be the right fit. Definitely it, it's a big investment for an organisation um, to find the right people that do fit and, and you know it, it depending on what the, the, the organisation is though for some those hurdles might be higher than for others, um, yeah. but they're hurdles we've all got to pass to to get through and secure employment. Yeah, definitely. So as we said earlier in the podcast, International Happiness at Work Week is from September the 20th to the 26th. So Chris, what makes you happy at work? Right, I'm going to be really simplistic and talk about task, team and individual, because they're all really important in a workplace. So task, what, what you're doing, um, so some of the work that I'm involved in is um, realistically making life better for some people. It's taking them out of risk and harm and, and putting them in a better place. So that's what I really enjoy about what I'm doing. Team, so it's about the people you work with. Um, it's about having those relationships and coming back in the office the last few weeks has been great because I'm actually seeing people in 3D again. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's nice to do those things we did before and catch up over a coffee and things. So. The team that I work with is really good uh, and we get on really well. So that's a big part of it. Um, and then it's individual. It's about you as a person, about what what works for you, what you're interested in, what your passions are. And I think if you've got a balance of all those three things, um, you're going to be happy at work because yeah, you'll understand how all those plug together. And when they do, they do. So yeah. um, that that for me is sort of the, the big thing. So uh, probably the big thing for me is about that what I'm doing, the motivation about what makes me get out of bed. And, and but then it's not all about that task. It's about the people I work with. It's about me. So, um, yeah, combination of, of those three things. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for all of this insight that you've given us. It was really nice to talk to you. You're welcome. That's all for September's episode. Um, make sure that you join us next month for more employment advice and conversation. Uh, next month, to mark the National Work-Life Week, we'll be talking about work-life balance, as Dan's just said, and how this also fits into job searching. So don't forget to send us your thoughts and comments, and all the contact details that you need are over on accessalcampton.co.uk forward slash jobcast.